0: and welcome to the PLUS Podcast with Marianne Freiberger. One of the best-kept secrets of mathematics is what mathematicians actually do. Now, everyone's come across a maths teacher at least once in their lives, and we all know that mathematicians can go into accountancy and banking, for example. But if you read PLUS regularly, You'll know that the career options for mathematicians are much wider than that and that mathematics is used in everything from computer game design to architecture and even the arts and social sciences. But most people don't know that. And this might be part of the reasons why students seem reluctant to take maths at A-level and university. The Institute of Mathematics and its Applications, the IMA, is addressing this problem through a series of conferences called Mathematics Works. They're aimed at teachers, and at each conference a range of mathematicians talk about what they do every day in their work. Later on in this podcast, we'll be talking to one of the speakers of this year's conference, Paul Shepherd, about how he uses maths to build huge football stadiums like the Arsenal-Emirates Stadium. But first, let's find out from David Uden, the executive director of the IMA, why he thinks such a conference series is necessary. Okay, so I'm with David Juden, who's Executive Director of the Institute of Mathematics and its Applications, who's putting on this conference today. So, um, what is the aim of the conference?
1: Mathematics Works is a conference series that was introduced by Chris Belsom, who's one of our uh, members of our schools committee, and he felt that there was a, a great need to emphasise the applications of mathematics, so that we could improve the demonstration of the relevance of maths teaching to careers that will come through individual's lives. Um, this is the second of the conferences that he's run and he, his format is to bring in people who use mathematics in their everyday career and to show how that is based on the maths they learnt at school but how also mathematics is, is used in so many facets of our economy.
0: So is that something that's lacking in school education then? Is it that um, the message doesn't quite get through to students usually how uh, useful mathematics is for everyday life and for careers?
1: I would think so. Chris Belson proposed this this seminar, this uh, conference, because he felt that it was possible that material could be presented in quite a dry way in schools and he wanted to enhance and enrich that. Um, He also felt that the IMA, which has members who are school teachers and members who are in higher education, researchers and mathematicians in industry, was well placed to be able to Uh, respond to his call and the speakers that we've had in the series we've had talks about weather forecasting uh, the motor industry uh, operations research in terms of uh, options and um, security analysis today we've had talks that relate to uh, radar um, and I know one of the talks referred to uh, materials relating to radar spinning off into maternity uh, checks for heart monitors. Um, we've had a, a very light talk from Professor Chris Budd, Eat Drink and Be Merry, which shows the way in which mathematics can be used in uh, a lot of biomedical science and uh, analysis of uh, digestion. Um, we also had a wonderful talk from Paul Shepard that uh, you've spoken about that related to um, structural analysis on new stadia. And Peter Grindrod, who's our president, gave a uh, a very inspiring talk, not only talking about some applications that he's had in mathematics to do with customer databases, but also referring to the way in which, uh, as we see our economy growing, we have need for the the, um, telecom industry, we have need for maths in bioinformatics, customer databases, the finance industry, the whole raft of areas where mathematicians will be needed to fuel our economy.
0: And one of the speakers earlier mentioned that um, there's hardly any examples in maths textbooks about um, applied mathematics as it was presented today and also I know that many teachers complain about the the fact that they just don't really know what the applications are. So why is that? Why have the applications of mathematics somehow dropped out of what is being taught at school?
1: I think that's a difficult question and um, each individual will have their own opinion on that. I agree with the criticism. I think there should be far more demonstration of application and use inside school textbooks. I have heard people who are talking about um, trying to teach uh, mathematics in some vocational courses, where they, they tried to um, perhaps do the maths in engineering or the maths in biology or the maths in sport, and their students said to them well actually we want you to teach us the core maths so that we can then understand the application and I think the focus has been on ensuring a solid core but the disadvantage of focusing on the core is that for students who don't naturally understand mathematics they do like to see these applications and I agree, this is an area that is lacking and something that we could do.
0: Would it be a good idea to integrate more of this into teacher training? A programme where teachers, who are trainee teachers, go out and meet people who are in industry and just get more of a picture right from the start?
1: Well, that is an area that uh, Chris Belson supports and the Institute supports, and we have many institutional members who would support that. At the moment, it does seem that Many teachers are focused on improving their results, the curriculum is changing quickly, they have very, very high workload, and to ask them to do something extra is, uh, for most people, a little bit too much of a challenge in these very, very busy times.
0: And what about the other side of mathematics, the non-applied side? What about those people who are interested in mathematics because of its beauty and they're interested in pure mathematics and not really that interested in applications? Is that something that needs to be pushed more at school as well?
1: Well I think that the, um, the, the best solution is to try and have a range. There is no one inside the IMA who would not support the core of mathematics, the beauty of mathematics, the benefit of mathematics for itself and the need for people to uh, consider these patterns that we see throughout the universe and to carry on and study those. So no dilution in those areas but for others who find that they would like to see more examples, that given the motivation of examples, they would switch on more and pay more attention. There is a real benefit in applying that. So I think we need to have a a range of product available to students.
0: How well received are Maths graduates by employers?
1: We know that Maths graduates are, are very well received by employers. We have very good data in terms of lifetime's earnings for people who have maths degrees and we take that as a reflection of a, um, a demand from that sector. We know that people who have maths degrees have very high employability so we're quite content about that. We also know that the need in a knowledge economy for people who are maths rich is going to continue to grow.
0: I'm talking to Paul Shepherd of the University of Bath who until recently was working for the engineering company Bureau Huppelt. And he's been involved in building a lot of big structures, especially stadiums. And one of his projects was the new Arsenal Stadium in London, the Emirates Stadium. So Paul, can you take us through what you've been doing there and the mathematics that is involved?
2: Yes, well, it's a a huge project, as I'm sure you can imagine. and there are so many different things to take account of when you're building a stadium Uh, but mathematics has been fundamental to most of those and the the architects have a, a vision they do the creative design as to what the stadium has to look like when it's finished and it's the engineers job to to turn that vision into a reality really and we have to make sure it would obey the laws of physics it would be strong enough stable enough able to withstand whatever might happen to it during its life, and that's whatever the weather can throw at it, but also the the people are important, the interaction of the people who use it. Um, It's a very different stadium when it's got 60,000 people in as to when it's completely empty.
0: So you were talking earlier in your talk, you were talking about the crowd dynamics.
2: Well stadiums these days aren't just used for watching football matches. Um, there are often other events and pop concerts things like that and what we have is people who go to these concerts often quite lively they move about they jump up and down especially if there's music and so when we're building the the stadiums we have to make sure that the stadium can withstand 60,000 people jumping up and down and with music it's especially important because everyone's in time with each other So, uh, what we have is, um, there's a phenomenon called resonance, and the stadium has its own natural frequency. It's like when you pluck a guitar string, it has one particular note that it likes to vibrate at. And all the stadiums, you don't tend to think of a stadium as a guitar string, but a stadium has a natural frequency at which it wants to vibrate. So we have to use um, mathematical models and computers to be able to predict the frequency that the stadium would vibrate at and then we can tune that frequency by adding more structure or taking structure away to make sure that the frequency is not the same as what people are going to jump at
0: so you mentioned belgian techno earlier so how does that come in
2: well we need to know how the stadium will respond and we also need to know at what frequency the people will jump at so there's been some research into different pop songs and the frequencies of different pop songs, and they showed that Belgian techno was one of the it was the fastest type of music that's ever likely to be shown in shown in a concert, with a frequency of about two point eight hertz. So when we're designing the stadium, we have to make sure that the frequency of the stadium is very different from the two point eight hertz it could be jumped on.
0: So what what kind of frequency do you choose then?
2: Well there are a number of different things coming into play and we make sure the rule is to make it above 6 hertz and that's been very carefully chosen to be more than double the 2.8 that the people could jump at and once we're more than double away we can be safe, fairly sure that the, the two won't interact and the people in the stadium will be different enough so we wouldn't get a problem.
0: And what kind of mathematics exactly is involved? Like, is there an equation that somebody at school might be familiar with?
2: It is very closely linked with the pendulum. People are probably familiar with a grandfather clock or a pendulum that has its own natural frequency. And in a pendulum, the length of the pendulum has a a bearing on the frequency at which it swings. In our case, uh, instead of the length of the pendulum, we have the stiffness of the structure and the mass of the structure. And the ratio of those two go into defining how the frequency uh, the frequency at which it vibrates mm-hmm. so we can change the mass of our stadiums by adding in more material and we can change the fre- uh, the struct- stiffness of the structure by adding in extra structural members and using those two we can tune the frequency up to be above six
0: and once you've built a structure or if you're looking at a structure that has already been built how do you test its frequency? A- apart from theoretically, but how do you actually make sure mm. that your calculations were right and that it is the right frequency? <laughs> <laughs> um,
2: well, that, that is an interesting one um, because we have to have confidence in our mathematical equations and our models. And so we have lots of research that's been done which can go and measure uh, something that's already been built can be measured. So they take a... A rotating weight and they stick it on the stadium and it rotates and it shakes the stadium
0: so you actually shake it so they
2: actually shake stadiums and measure the response and they can work out what frequency it swings at
0: now what about the structure because you were talking earlier about the roofs and you know especially if you're building a football stadium um, you can't put any columns in the middle because the pitch is there (laughs) so um obviously a lot of thought has to go into how to construct the roofs. and you were talking about this finite Something analysis.
2: (laughs) Finite element analysis. Exactly. So,
0: can can you just give us a little overview of that?
2: Yeah. Um, There are different methods of um, working out how structures would behave, and we have to make sure that they are strong enough and stiff enough, that they don't move too much. So, we build three-dimensional models in the computer. And materials behave in a quite predictable way. That's, that is something that people do in physics class, is they look at stress and strain in Jung's modulus. And so the stress and the strain are related in a very simple way. Uh, but the problem with the stadium is the shape is very complicated, and you have lots of long bits of material, you know, long-span trusses, which bridge right across the pitch so that you don't need a column in the middle so we use finite element analysis which divides the structure up into lots of little tiny squares and we know fairly well how each little square or rectangle will behave in this fairly simple way and so by splitting this the entire complex shape up into small rectangles applying the maths to the small rectangle and then putting the results all back together again we can get a very good idea of how complex shapes behave and uh, by applying the very simple equation to them
0: and another consideration that you have when you build these huge buildings is safety for example fire and Mm. um, maybe the the crowd behavior in panic situations. so how how do you what do you do about fire (coughs) and smoke how do you model that
2: yeah um, uh, a lot of the work of engineers is about making sure the structures can withstand extreme events. So it's not enough to say that it'll be happy most days in the year, but we have to think what possible things could happen to this during its lifetime of 50, 100 years. So things like earthquakes or e- explosions or fires, we hope that they'll never happen, but we have to make sure. That if they do happen, the structure is safe and the people inside them are safe. So, we use again mathematical modeling techniques. We can model smoke using computational fluid dynamics, um, uh, which we can make sure that the smoke has a path to exit the structure, that the people won't be caught in too much smoke. The fires themselves have to be analyzed. We can adapt. The finite element analysis techniques to take into account a fire because a fire affects the way the material behaves and there is generally thermal expansion when things get hot so we can add those into our models as extra factors and then we can do highly complex analysis on this on the same structures so we've got confidence that in a fire or in a smoke situation the structure would still be able to withstand the extra loads.
0: You also said that you tested your predictions about fire by setting a building alight.
2: Yeah, that's right. Many uh, many years ago, there was a research project which constructed a full-size eight-story building and set fire. What,
0: was it a real building, a like real, proper? A real, real
2: building, full scale, and it was set fire to. Uh, but before they set fire to it, uh, they put lots of measurement devices in to measure the the change in stresses, the temperatures and the displacements, the movements of the building. And so uh, that, again, was a way of getting confidence in our mathematical models. The thing about a mathematical model is it's relatively cheap to model ten different cases. You can pretend there's a fire in this corner or the other corner. And when you're doing a full-scale test it's quite expensive so you can only do a limited number of tests. And then you use those tests to prove your mathematical models accurate. And that gives you confidence to then apply that mathematical model on other things. So we really, when called the fire brigade before, we set fire to a building and then set fire to it. Okay,
0: Okay, another thing that you mentioned was parametric modeling or parametric design, I suppose it's called. Um, Could you explain what that is?
2: Yeah, it's a new technique that's just starting to be used in the building industry and it allows you to describe the shape of a structure in the computer using equations rather than by the historical methods where people just drew them by hand. We're actually fitting equations to these complex shapes and we're using rules to relate them together. So instead of saying a beam goes from A to B, you can say a beam goes from the top of this column to the top of another column the advantage of that is that then if things change if the column position moves the rule is still applicable so the computer can recalculate based on we've moved this column but the beam still goes from the top of it to the top of the other one so it really allows us to build a model using equations to define the shape and relationships between those parts of the building and we can make changes very quickly with the, the input and the computer then processes the rules in exactly the same way and we can get very different buildings out the other side.
0: So this allows you to build certain variables into your design that you can change, like for example you mentioned the height, height of columns. So mm-hmm. you could build that into your model and say, well, I might want to change that long yeah. line. So what kind of factors would you typically, if you build your stadium, which kind of factors would you want to keep variable?
2: Yeah, uh, that, I mean, that is the question. It gives another sense of creativity in a way. It really makes you think, What are we trying to achieve? What's going to be important to us? Where does our flexibility lie?
0: And um, you mentioned, I think it was in the Emirates Stadium or maybe the other stadiums as well, I suppose. What about the the sight line? Didn't you say that from the beginning, um, the view from every seat was taken into account in the kind of parametric way? Well, yeah, we've,
2: we've always used sight lines as one of the things we take into account when we design. It's very important to sit in your seat and be able to see what's going on in the pitch clearly. So we've always taken it into account. But this method of using rules to define the geometry allows you to choose rules that have some kind of physical representation. So we're not randomly choosing the a number to describe how high the building is, but we can make it a sensible choice. So we've done work where we've built in sightline information into the rules that drive the shape of the building. And that way you can be sure when you're playing around with these numbers and changing the values of parameters, that as the the computer then reconfigures to give you a new stadium, the new stadium will still be very good with sightlines because that was one of the rules you built in.
0: So are you football fan?
2: Uh, more so than I used to be.
0: <laughs> so you feel safe in stadiums on the whole, then?
2: Yeah, absolutely. I think I've seen more pop concerts in stadiums than football matches. But these days they're used for so many different, varied uh, uses that the designers have to take these things into account. Otherwise, you've just got something that's only good for watching football, and it's it's just not a waste of a stadium, really.
0: Okay. Well, excellent. Thank you very much.
2: You're welcome. Yeah.
0: This brings us to the end of this edition of the PLUS podcast. If you'd like to find out more about how mathematics is being used in real life, then look at the PLUS magazine Careers Library on plus.maths.org careers. Thanks for listening and bye bye.